Welcome to the 70th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Elizabeth Spann Craig, the author of the Memphis Barbecue series, the Southern Quilting Mysteries, and the Myrtle Clover series. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Elizabeth Spann Craig. Elizabeth has written many mystery novels. Quilter Innocence, the first book in her latest series, The Southern Quilting Mysteries, will be published in June. Three books in her Memphis Barbecue Mystery series have also been published. Hickory Smoked Homicide, Finger Licking Dead, and Delicious and Suspicious. The Memphis Barbecue Mystery Series was published under the pen name Riley Adams. And Elizabeth's third series, the Myrtle Clover series, features several books, including A Dying Shame and A Progressive and Progressive Dinner Deadly. Elizabeth also writes a very popular online blog, Mystery Writing as Murder, and Writer's Digest has included the blog and the 101 best websites for writers every year for the past three years. Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me here today, Jeff. Sure. Well, uh, I'm exhausted from just introducing you and reading all that you're doing. We, we can talk about your workflow and writing process later. Let's start with your latest book, Quilter Innocence. First, can I get you to read the first three, three or four paragraphs of Quilter Innocence? Sure, I'd be happy to. No problem. <clears throat> okay, chapter one. I've come to rescue you, said the wild-looking woman at Beatrice's front door. Beatrice, a retired uh, art museum curator, gaped at the woman, completely flabbergasted. She certainly didn't need rescuing. In fact, she'd just brewed a relaxing cup of herbal tea to celebrate the fact there were only ten more moving boxes to unpack in her new cottage. Besides, who would want to be rescued by this woman, even if rescuing were in order? She looked like she needed rescuing herself with her brightly colored mismatched clothes and disorganized gray braid hanging to her waist. Beatrice made up her mind to briskly and firmly shut the door and try out the new bolts and chains and the alarm system. But then the woman held out her hand. I'm Meadow, your next door neighbor. Welcome to Dappled Hills. Is that good? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's good. Well, Well, if listeners haven't heard about Quilter Innocence yet, can you give them an idea of what the novel is all about? I sure can. Uh, Beatrice Coleman is my sleuth, and she is, as I mentioned, a retired art museum curator. Uh, She has lived in the big city of Atlanta, Georgia, and she has decided to retire to this very small town of Dappled Hills. Um, And she expects that retirement is going to be a very relaxing experience. Um, She's really looked forward to it and sort of idealized it in her mind. And actually, the town seems very quiet to her, so she has a hard time in the beginning adjusting. Uh, She has a very excitable next-door neighbor who has dragged her into her quilting guild. And Beatrice wants really nothing to do with the quilting guild. Uh, But she finds that she's enjoying it. She's surprised herself. Um, And one thing she's noticed about the quilting guild is that the women have interesting personalities, and they all actively dislike this one woman in the guild named Judith. And Judith is just sharp-tongued, ugly to everyone, and unsurprisingly, probably, she ends up dead in a hurry <laughs> in Dappled Hills. And so suddenly, Dappled Hills isn't quite as sleepy as it was before. Great. Well, are you a quilter yourself? I'm not. I'm not a quilter myself. 
Uh, I've always really I live in the South, obviously, and mm-hmm. quilting is very big here, especially in the mountains of North Carolina. Um, a lot of families really enjoy it. It's sort of a source of, of pride, and it's an art form as well. Um, so I have a lot of quilts here that were made by members of my family, um, and I wish I had that kind of talent. Um, it takes <laughs> I've got a huge respect, and I know Jeff that you're able to quilt. I am. And the I'm... more I found out about it, oh, the more I I researched quilting, I was like, you know, I don't think I have the the coordination or the intelligence <laughs> or the artistic ability <laughs> to ever do it. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it it it's interesting. It's it's a fun um it's a fun hobby that I have, and and you know it's still kind of eye raising sometimes that that a lot of people are surprised that a guy quilts. But um, I'm curious about um, Quilter Innocence. How did you decide to use a quilting guild as as a setting for your mysteries? Well, that's that's kind of interesting too. I have um, I'm agented. Um, and I'm known. I, I guess I've kind of gotten known from Penguin Books, and I guess in the publishing world a little bit as someone who does cozy mysteries, humorous mysteries set in the South. Um, so my agent was actually contacted by my editor, uh, my current editor for that series, and said, you know, we understand you've got an author who writes the South fairly believably, um, and we are very interested in having a mystery series that involves quilting. Um, hmm. We feel like that that ties in really well. It's a great theme to have um, for this particular type of reader that we think enjoys these series. Um, so I said I'd be happy to to write it. So I sent them some samples, and they liked what they saw, and that was that was pretty much it. That's uh, great. So a lot of research later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So are you are you planning or is Penguin planning to do any specific outreach to the quilting community or around the book? I would imagine they're going to do some marketing. They are definitely doing some marketing. Um, and I've, you know, I've done some sort of on the side. Honestly, I, I haven't done probably as much with uh, connecting with the craft blogs as I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may be something that, that I try to do later on. I always feel like I've got so much more time ahead of a release than I actually do. Sure. In fact, I was very startled to realize that we are in April and uh, the book comes out in a couple of months. Um, so maybe I, I can probably set up some interviews and that sort of thing. But Penguin does do a very good job um, with their outreach and just reaching different groups um, with their marketing. Obviously, they have a really nice marketing arm, which I appreciate. That That's great. And so um, I assume that you've already written or are planning more books in the series? Yes. Actually, at the end of this month, I'm turning in book two which has been titled Not As It Seems, since they love the punning titles there. Right. <laughs> so it's K-N-O-T and S-E-A-M-S. Uh, and we have actually, I think we've already got a cover for that book as well. I haven't, um, I haven't seen it yet, but I know that the art department got together on that. And then I think the third book in that series is due, I'm thinking, maybe February. I probably should check, check and find <laughs> that out. <laughs> So I've got a, I've got a couple others to write as well. Right. Well, you've written three different mystery series that I mentioned earlier, and I would imagine you you've probably written other mystery novels on your way to publication. How did you first get interested in mysteries? Did you grow up reading them? I did. I'm, I'm kind of one of those stereotypical uh, writers who just got really interested in a particular genre early on. So I was, you know, watching Scooby-Doo as a kid. That was my favorite show. I read the Nancy <laughs> Drews, the Hardy Boys when I ran out of Nancy's. I read Trixie Belden's, Bobsy Twins. Um, I went even back into the 1930s and were reading books that were set way back um, that my parents would still find appropriate even though I was a kid. 
uh, they weren't quite ready for me to move into some of the adult mysteries then. And then I read all the Agatha Christie's and uh, that's really, I'm just an avid mystery reader. It's my most favorite genre. It was, it was just the easy one for me to jump into and write. Uh, I totally knew how it worked, the structure of it. Um, and I was a fan. So that was, that was how I ended up uh, writing it. That's great. And, and so do you still read as much today? Are you able to? Oh, gosh, I wish I could. Uh. <laughs> um, I do. Yeah, I wish. I just I keep wanting to add more hours to my day. So I keep sleeping less and less. But <laughs> somehow that is it's starting to catch up with me now. Um, I do. I, I'm reading more of like the police procedurals. Um, I've got it, the Deborah Crombie, the new Deborah Crombie. It's probably not that new anymore. I've got it on my Kindle. And um, so I'm reading those. Uh, I don't read as much of the cozy mysteries that I write because mm-hmm. I'm just so worried. It, just somehow I'm going to subconsciously lift something like a character name or, you know, something like that. And um, also, I think it kind of makes me feel a little insecure to see somebody's perfectly polished, wonderful book that's on a shelf <laughs> when mine is still being drafted. And I feel like, oh, gosh, you know, I'll never be able to write as well as this. And so I just was like, yeah, I just won't read those. <laughs> gotcha. Well, um, have you always written? What, what was the path to publication like for you of getting your first novel published? I have, I have always written. Um, I started, I mean, even like back to second grade, that's all I um, was really interested in doing. Um, I'm kind of a one trick pony and I don't mean that in just a bad way, but that's, that's all I really can do. Um, I, I grew up doing journalism um, advertising. I was an English major. That's that's all I really kind of pointed myself to do. Um, I did I did go into journal. I started worrying about how do you make money as a writer. Right. You know, at the beginning, <laughs> started thinking about that, uh, yeah. taking it more seriously. You know, around age eighteen or so, I thought, okay, how do you actually live and not be <laughs> on the streets and be a writer? Um, so I decided journalism was probably the way to go. So I did take a detour into that, but then I kept trying to make things up as a journalist and I was told that was bad. So yeah. <laughs> that yeah. ended my journalism career and I had to go into fiction after that. And and so what was it like in terms of getting your first book published? Oh, it did- was incredible. Um, it was, it was absolutely incredible. And for me, I think, um, you know, you just, you, you're so stubborn if you're a writer. I mean, you're just, you know, you're, you're so pigheaded. And I'd had so many rejections. I'd probably been rejected, I want to say, close to 100 times by agents. And then I just started sending directly to publishers after that. And I was probably rejected ooh, maybe 30 times by publishers when I finally heard from, at first it was Midnight Inc., uh, when I heard from Midnight Inc. that I'd been accepted. So it was a really big day for me. I was really excited. That's wonderful. And so uh, you said you're working with an agent now. What was that process like of, of finding an agent? Um, it was a real pain, actually. Um, <laughs> I, it really was. I, I think it's a lot easier to get a publisher than it is to get an agent, actually. Um, and so I, for that contract, I couldn't find an agent in time, even though I said, I have a contract in my hand. I don't know what to do. Um, will anybody represent me? And I just, I mean, the agents even then were like, you know, really, we don't represent this type of, we just, we can't, we're busy, you know, we have too much going on. So I negotiated that one completely myself, um, with help online. Uh, the pub rants blog was very helpful with that. Kristen Nelson, um, had sort of a do-it-yourself series, and so I, I negotiated, I'm sure poorly, my own contract, but they weren't sharks over there, so that was good. 
Um, and then uh, for the Memphis series, I was working with Penguin, and at that point, I really needed an agent. Um, they will not work with you um, at Penguin, really, unless you have an agent. So I was, I was fortunately at that point able to to acquire one. So. And so that how did that good. work? How did that work? That you started working with Penguin from Midnight Inc. Were you still submitting to to publishers? This is a little bit of a crazy story, but um, I think everybody's publication story is a little bit like that. I had actually submitted, as I mentioned, I blindly submitted to slush piles at all these publishers when I was getting rejected by all the agents. So they actually were interested in the manuscript that I had gotten had gotten accepted at Midnight Inc. Um, so the editor from Penguin wrote me and said, oh, just wanted to tell you congratulations. I saw, you know, in the in Publishers Weekly that you had been, you know, your manuscript had been taken up by Midnight Inc. Um, we were interested in it, but we wanted to give you best wishes. I was like, oh. No. <laughs> uh, so it was one of those things where you're like, oh, that's, that's fantastic. But, oh, my goodness, you know, I would have loved to have, you know, been working with Penguin. Obviously, Midnight Inc. was great, too. Um, so they then they said, you know what, we have an idea for a series that we're interested in having written. We would like somebody who is familiar with the South, who lives in the South, and um, we would like to see if you could pull it off. Um, so I did submit some samples to them for the Memphis Barbecue series, and they were interested in it and took it on. So I, I think there's been a lot of luck involved. Um, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> and and so, uh, will that series continue? Do you do you have plans on writing more, in the the barbecue? Yes. I'm writing at the same time that I'm working on the quilting book that's due at the end of the month. I am working on book four of the of the Memphis series, um, and that is due July 1st, I think. Um, so that's going to come out next summer or late spring um, book four for that series. Wow. So I'm a little bit, I guess, I'm kind of jumping between books right now, which I usually try not to do, but this time the deadlines sort of happen that way. Right. And so what is the writing process like for you? Do you outline extensively on, on your mysteries or do you write more orga organically? I, I try not to outline. I would prefer not to outline. Um, for the quilting series, my editor for that series does like outlines. Um, she actually, and you know, it's just, that's just the way it goes. Every editor has a different process. Uh, so for her, what I do is I write the outline for the book and then I submit it to her and she approves it. You, well, at least she has in the past. <laughs> right. And um, and then I write it from there. Or sometimes she'll ask for you know a change or two. Or she's you know she'll be like you know I think we need to bring in more of this element. Or um, I don't like that suspect for the killer. Can we change it? Um, and I do. And I just change it around. Um, but I unfortunately I I'm not a good outliner. So with this last book, I actually went off outline. This is so bad. I keep thinking about this. Boy, <laughs> I cannot believe I did this. Um, so I had sent her an outline last year, gotten it approved. Um, we were happy with it, and then I started writing it, and it just didn't seem like it was going to work. Um, I just wasn't happy with the outline, uh, so I just went off. I knew she was busy, so I just went <laughs> off on a tangent and completely changed it. Um, and then I, um, she was asking for the art department to get some some copies so they could take a look at the the book and start working on the cover. And she was like, you know, I don't remember this scene that was um, that you're just. <laughs> that you're discussed and I thought that was going to be a picnic and I said oh you know what the picnic just wasn't going to work so it's a town hall meeting now and I'm really sorry I was like if you need a picnic I'm sure I can write in a picnic but 
the book doesn't have one. So I, I did kind of go off of that, but I'm much happier if I can just make it up the story as I go along. Great. Well, as I mentioned earlier, you, you write a very well-read blog. You, you also are extremely prolific on Twitter as well. And, and I know that there's been a lot of discussion lately, and I think that, um, if I'm not mistaken, there have been several books. I think there was one called The Shallows, kind of about uh, relating to people's attention span as it relates to kind of the overwhelming flow of information that we're dealing with online. And, and I'm just curious, how do you manage your own workflow? Are there times during the day where you're completely offline and writing? And then, um, and then I wonder if you could be a little bit more specific about kind of, you know, how you... Um, how you manage in terms of uh, Twitter and blogging? Are there specific tools that you use to to keep track of all of the links that you're you're tweeting? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd be happy to talk about that. Um, and you're right; it's it's very difficult. It's uh, a fine balance between getting your writing time in and getting your promotional time in. And my promo is very low key. Uh, I rarely ever will just directly promote a book or a release or anything like that. Um, so it's for me, it's more of a curation process and a platform and a, I guess a brand than it is actual direct promoting. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so what I, what I do in the mornings is I just, I get up super early. Um, I'm a mom, <laughs> I've got a couple of kids that I need to drive around carpools in the morning before school. So I get up at 4.50 and I write about two pages of whatever the, the draft is that I'm working on. Um, and then I start I look at the Twitter and I look at the blog and I respond to emails and comments really quickly before I get the kids up. And then I come back to the draft really in the carpool line outside the high school is when <laughs> I finish my, the rest of my three and a half pages. Uh, my goal is only three and a half pages a day. That's double, you know, double spaced, 250 words approximately a page. Uh, and I'm able to write about three and a half to four books a year just doing that. So it doesn't really take a whole lot. Um, but you're right, the online stuff, that takes a long time. Um, I have a Google Reader, and I, I subscribe to blogs, RSS feeds, and it mm -hmm. goes directly to Google Reader. Right. And then I, I scan those really quick. I find the blogs with the best content, the writing-related content. And then I load those into a, a free online tool called Social Oomph. Mm -hmm. And then I can schedule those tweets out. So it takes me about, um, I'm going to say about an hour and 20 minutes a day to find the content that I want to tweet and then to load it into Social Oomph so it's scattered. So it's not like I'm just exhausting everybody right, on Twitter right. by my tweets. So maybe about one an hour. I do about 18 to 20 tweets a day. And then I also am using Google Plus and uh, what else? And Facebook. Uh, Facebook is more, I'm not as crazy about Facebook, so I spend a little less time on that. Um, but those are the tools primarily I use. For the blogging, I use Windows Live Writer, and I'm able mm -hmm. to write and just kind of go ahead and uh, schedule those posts in right. advance. Gotcha. That, that's interesting. Um, I use something um, similar to Social Oomph called Buffer, uh, and it has like a little... Um, it has a little bookmarklet on my on my um, on my browser, so I, I kind of do something similar where I read through tons of feeds every morning, and and anything that I see, I can just click the button on the browser, and it, it basically feeds it into my buffer queue, 
Uh, and I have it set to send out about four or five tweets a day at different times, and and it'll just keep it'll just keep going and going. In fact, this is kind of this is kind of morbid, but I mentioned to my wife the other day. I was like, if anything ever happened to me suddenly, it's going to be weird because my my Twitter stream is going to go on for like a month or two. <laughs> I have thought the same thing. I have thought the same thing. But I put instructions to my husband on there. I was like, please, you know, I need you to close out the blog. I need you to do all these things. So it's true, but chief, you know, if you don't think that way, then you know your blog yeah. will be as you know completely taken over by spammers and things. Yeah, I know. I know. So, so in terms of the blogging, um, what what's your process there in terms of like just coming up with ideas, or or do you do you just not ever struggle with them, or or do you just as ideas come to you, you collect them for for future blog posts? I I do all of those things. I well, I, I when I get ideas, I go ahead and write up a little summary for the blog, and then I I just kind of have that draft on Windows Live Write or whenever I need something. Um, I also write in response to posts that I've found interesting online. So I'll say, oh, you know, there was this wonderful you know article on Nail Your Novel, and she was mentioning this, and I thought that was interesting, and then I kind of take that in a different direction. Um, also, I found that a lot of comments, and I get comments and emails and Twitter DMs asking me questions, um, and I, I try to answer those on the blog too because I figure, well, if, you know, if one person had a question, then you know maybe other people have the same question. Like today's post is on subplots, um, and that actually was related to a question I got on my from my post on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it makes it, it is easier, I guess, to kind of just use it as a response, almost like a conversation. And, and, and I'm, I'm curious ab- about, you know, I mean, because you, you, this mystery writing is murder blog, and I'll have links to all of these in the show notes and links to your books and your website. But, um, uh, uh, and, and, you know, I mentioned earlier that Writer's Digest has, has chosen it as one of the 101 best websites for writers. Was it something that was intentional for you or did it, did it just kind of um, uh, happen, you know, gradually? I, I was, yeah, gradually, and I was very surprised by it, actually. Um, and every year when I get that, I'm kind of embarrassed because, <laughs> honestly, I, you know, I mean, there's, as you know, there's so many fantastic writing blogs out there, uh, and I'm finding them and tweeting them every day. So I know exactly, I might even know better than Writer's Digest what the better <laughs> blogs are. Um, so it's not being modest. I'm like, I don't think mine is anywhere close to being one of the top 101. I, I think I could come up with a really good list of that. But I appreciate right. it very much. Well, there, um, there, there's, I, you, there's you a blog post right there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's true. I just, I mean, I've, I'm always like, oh my goodness. I'm kind of, you know, like, well, thank you so much, but I'm, I'm embarrassed by it because I just, I know there's some fantastic blogs out there. Um, but it, for me, blogging was something that I was told, I was really told to do um, mm-hmm. from my publishers at the start, and I didn't know what, what to do. I mean, I tried to focus first on, on mystery writing solely, mm-hmm. um, and that was a little bit limiting. Um, I'm a personal kind of private person, so I didn't really want to talk about my life a whole lot. It's right. not very interesting, for one. I mean, I've got <laughs> kids, and I'm doing y- – y'all know what I'm doing because I'm just mm-hmm. running around toting the kids everywhere and going to the grocery store and trying to write these books. 
Um, so for me, I was like, okay, let's let's write about writing and, you know, just sort of have it be, I kind of wanted to reach out and network with other writers because it it's a little lonely writing. Um, you know, you don't, you're not, you're by yourself, obviously. And I like the online networking that way. And so it kind of grew just in an organic way for me. Gotcha. And um, what what do you think about the the rapid rise of, of eBooks? Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, haven't you self-published digitally? And and to kind of follow that up, what what do you think about writers going the self-publishing route uh, versus pursuing traditional publication? I, I think that it makes a lot of sense for a lot of writers. I really do. Um, and I am taking a hybrid approach to writing. I am doing the traditionally published writing um, but I am also self-publishing. In fact, my Myrtle series, originally they decided Midnight Inc. came out with the first book, sold well, it earned out, um, got some great readers, but they decided to kind of go in a different direction. They started right. doing some more paranormal kind of things. So they dropped my series, and I did negotiate that contract, so I didn't get a three-book <laughs> series. <laughs> That's where you want an agent. Um, and so I was like, okay, that's fine. You know, I've got these other series. This is, this is okay. It hurts my feelings a little bit, but it's all right. Mm -hmm. Um, but then the readers started emailing me and asking about the next Myrtle book. And I thought, you know what? I'll, I love Myrtle. Let me write another Myrtle book. So I put it out myself and honestly, I'm doing much better. I mean, just from a purely commercial financial right. aspect, mm -hmm. I'm doing a whole lot better on those two books that I self-published than I am on my traditionally published books. Um, <laughs> I think has, you know, that's really saying something there. Um, and Listen that's up, not Penguin. <laughs> no, I'm sorry? I said, listen up, Penguin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, I'm well, saying that, I'm saying that jokingly. <laughs> I, 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 I hear what you're saying. Um, it's, it's a bad, yeah, it's a bad thing to say, but it's, you know, it's, it's honestly true because that's the way that traditional publishing is really is set up. Um, so they're just doing what they're all doing. I mean, it's it's Simon yeah, Schuster, yeah. it's Random House, and mm -hmm. all of us. But when you can get, obviously, you can get a seventy percent, um, you know, royalty from going direct to Kindle or direct to Nook or Smashwords. There's something very appealing to that. Now, is would I have gotten that alone without my platform in traditional publishing? I I don't know. I don't know if I would have. I don't know if that's really helped me out, um, but it's, I'm intrigued by it. <laughs> right, right. And I, so I think I think it's smart for writers not to limit themselves by saying, "Okay, if I, I'm only going to do traditional publishing and that's all I'm going to do, and I'm setting my hat on it, and that's what I'm going to do." Um, I don't. I think that honestly is a little limiting. I really do. I think I would try to explore a little bit more, and you can do both. Um, and you should probably have a whole bunch of books that you write because that's one guaranteed way to do well in this industry is just to have a slew of books um, in your library. Right, right. So I, I did want to circle back um, just a moment to, to the previous question about the various online um, uh, platforms that you're using. I, I'm curious just, and this is just from a, a personal uh, curiosity. What, what do you think about Google Plus, and are are you using it? You said you mentioned that you were using it. Yes, um, I like what I like about Google Plus is that it is connected, obviously, to Google. 
Um, so it has helped me tr tremendously as far as my name. Um, and I know I've got a really strong platform online, but there's a couple of other Elizabeth Craigs. Uh, right. They've got a, a nice online platform as well. One of them owns a lingerie store, and I, I certainly cannot compete with that. So she <laughs> she has the top spot on there, and she has all kinds of photos and things like that. So right. I, I can't really compete with that. Uh, and there's also a biochemistry professor somewhere out in Seattle or something. And I think that her all of her class notes and her class assignments, everything to do with her class, are on her website. Um, so I've battled with these Elizabeths for a while now. <laughs> um, but because I am the only one with a Google Plus profile, um, I get frequently top billing when you look up Elizabeth Craig. And it's just got my little picture. And, and I keep it, you know, as long as I keep it active and I do things with it a few times a day, then they're putting a high priority on that and giving it some real visibility. So I do like it for that. I think you should claim your name if you don't want to do anything else. Go ahead over to Google Plus and claim your name over there. Um, I'm not excited about the fact that they don't let me schedule over there. So I can't schedule in. You can schedule out of Google Plus. Oh, tell me um, about but, it. Believe me, I, 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 I constantly struggle with that and feel like people oh. are just going to t tune me out because I share so much because there's no way to schedule. And I kind of... It's frustrating. And I thought I had read that Hootsuite is, has got a deal with them to be their scheduler, but I have not seen anything else about that. Um, so I'm, I'm a little frustrated about that because, you know, like you're saying, I mean, I'll go on and I'll, I'll put three things out, blam, blam, blam on Google Plus because I may not have time to check back in the rest of the day over there. Um, so that's that's a source of, of frustration. And I'm hoping that they'll that they'll change that and make. Yeah, that I, I hope so, too. I hope so, too, um, because I, that's that's my only complaint with it. I, I feel like I would like to schedule as opposed to inundating people. But uh, I, 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 you know, it, it's interesting. I mean, I, I talk to people who never use it. And, and I, you know, between the, I guess you could say the big three of Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus, I find myself more and more on Google Plus. I feel like it, it's, it has the benefit of, of, of being open like Twitter. And I just feel like the conversations and also the fact that you can, you know, you're not scrunch down in this 140 character limit and and also that you um can see people sharing beautiful photos and and interesting videos i i, I like it I, I i think some people are missing out by kind of just dis being dismissive of it i think you're right and i i mean like you mentioned visually is extremely appealing i mean it almost has the vi the, the visual appeal of, of pinterest which is now something else that that i'm doing um, but it's, it's, it's beautiful to look at. And, you know, for those of us who really enjoy the arts, it makes sense to, I mean, the photography I see there is just always amazing. The illustrations, just, I love to see it. I love to be on there. I, I wish I had, again, more time to I know, <laughs> spend I know. there. <laughs> so, so what are you doing on Pinterest? Um, well, that's interesting. Um, I just really got started with Pinterest the last couple of weeks, and I found that it's the best place so far for me to interact directly with readers, um, hmm, which I really don't do anywhere else, except I have a Riley Adams Facebook page, and that is pretty much a me as me as a writer, um, right. but reacting to readers' comments and that sort of thing. So with Pinterest, I have a like one for my a little board for my book covers. I've got a board for friends' book covers. Um, I've got I've got a corgi in this uh, quilting series. So I've got cor you know a, cor a corgi right. board. Mm -hmm. 
um, southern setting. So you can actually take elements or themes from your books and put them up on a board. And so that's a way to kind of interact with readers in a different way. And I have a, I honestly, I have a hard time connecting with readers. Writers, I connect with all the time. <laughs> so it, it makes it fun. It's just, you know, it's it's interesting when you when you try to find a way to connect with readers. It's it's almost it feels a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I just want it to be a real thing. I don't want it to be, you know, fake or just right. forced or anything like that. And so that that's really the first the first time I felt like there was a natural a natural connection. Right. Um, uh, that, that's interesting. And I guess the, 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 the only other kind of online, uh, kind of destination or platform that I was going to, to mention or, or, or get your thoughts on is, is Goodreads. Are you doing much with Goodreads? Oh, Goodreads. You know, Goodreads is a little scary. Um, it is sort <laughs> of the, I think for writers, it's sort of the dark alley when you go over there. And I hate to say that, but it's um, the reviews over there can be really rough. Um, yeah, and wow. I, I don't usually read my reviews. And I've just been, I've heard from other writers. They're like, you know, it's because it's such a close-knit community over there. They, they're very open, I think, in their reviews. Um, so I, what I've got done over there is I've just set it all up. So I've got my, my um, profile, my Riley Adams profile, my Elizabeth Craig profile, um, and I have it updated with my, my blogs or, or feeding in, um, but I don't do a, very much over there, um, and mostly because it's, it's really scary. It's got a reputation for being scary for writers, um, <laughs> but I do, I do hear that people who do prizes and the giveaways over there, that those are wildly successful. Um, so I, I do hear a lot of really good things about that, but I, that's, I've just set myself up. It's sort of like with LinkedIn. I've got a profile right. up. Um, and then I just occasionally will update it if I have a new book out or whatever, and I just kind of leave it alone. And then I, I get, you know, connected with people that way. Um, they'll send me emails and things like that. And they said, oh, I saw you on LinkedIn. But, you know, I rarely, I mean, probably once every like three months or so do I, do I check in over there. Right. Well, what tips or advice would you offer for aspiring writers who would like to have their own novels published? I would say to really be, be, this is going to sound strange, I know, but be stubborn, be determined, uh, believe in yourself, um, be forgiving of your first draft. And if you could just write a page a day, that's really all you need to do. Just, I mean, if you can just commit to a page a day, then in less than a year, you have a completely finished first draft and you can do anything with that. You just can't edit a blank page. So that's that's my advice. That's what I did. I had you know a baby in front of the Teletubbies, and I just wrote a page a day, and I, I found that was manageable. And so make make a realistic goal for yourself. Great. Well, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you'd want to talk about? Let me think. No, I think <laughs> you've done a very good job, Jeff, with this interview. I appreciate it. So thorough. Great. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Elizabeth Spann Craig, author of Quilt and Innocence and many other mystery novels. And I'll have links to many of those novels in the show notes, along with links to Elizabeth's Twitter and blog and everything that we uh, just talked about. Elizabeth, thanks for taking the time to do the interview. Well, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to my latest podcast. If you have a chance, please leave a review of the podcast in iTunes. It only takes a moment.
Until next time, read some good books and be well. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty. That means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big